So this evening we'd like to uh, complete the study we started this morning on, on baptism. And a lot of questions and discussion certainly to be had about baptism. Some of the questions that we were going to answer was, is water baptism necessary? What is the purpose of water baptism? Who is it for? Who can perform it? Those are some of the things that we wanted to look at. Uh, so baptism. Uh, I do believe in baptism. I was baptized. I do believe in scriptural uh, baptism. I believe it has its place. I think it's very important. But I don't want it... I don't want us to feel that it takes a place of what Jesus did, what Jesus' blood did. And we sang that song, and I'm glad we did this evening, uh, Brother Bill, that you picked this song. What can wash away my sin? Because we read scripture this morning, baptism washes away sin, for the, and uh, baptism saves. And we, we don't want to ignore those scriptures, they're in there. But what do they save us, what does it save us from and, and what does this washing, how does that exactly take place that the baptism does? So we just, we want to make sure we understand that baptism has its purpose, its place, and it's very important. It's commanded of the Lord. But we don't want to put in the place of what Jesus did. So the song, I think, is a very good song. What can wash away my sin? We'll find a scripture talk about uh, baptized to wash away sin. But this says nothing but the blood. I believe that's true. Nothing can wash away our sins. Nothing can forgive sins. Nothing can uh, uh, remit our sins other than the blood of Jesus. For this my pardon, or for my pardon, this I, uh, this I see. Nothing but the blood. I hope when you're looking at your pardon, we, we fell in Adam. We're all sinners in Adam. As you look for your pardon, I hope we'll look to the blood of Jesus Christ and not the baptism. Baptism's important. We'll talk about it. But my pardon is the blood of Jesus Christ through God's plan of salvation, of course. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And again, I think nothing but the blood of Jesus can atone for our sins. Baptism has a place, but it doesn't take the place of the blood and the work of Jesus Christ. This is all my hope and peace. I hope this is what you look to and cling to, the blood of Jesus Christ and his work that he did. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood. And again, baptism, we talked or read a couple of scriptures for, for washing away of sins, and we talked about that this morning. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood. This is all my righteousness. So, Baptism is, is important. I believe in baptism. But I don't want us to look to that rather than the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to understand what baptism is and what it's not, I guess. So this morning, uh, we answered you, what's, what's it for? Uh, and is water baptism necessary? And as I mentioned, I didn't want it to be. I, I, we read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought, well, okay, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, water baptism is no longer necessary. Well, 
that wasn't true. It is necessary. And we can find multiple examples where they had water baptism after the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, who can perform it? Uh, we see that the authority was given to his true churches and whoever the church would appoint. Uh, but, the, but the authority was given to his true churches for bab to do, have the authority to do the baptism. And what was it for? Baptism, the purpose of baptism was not to take a goat and baptize it and turn it into a sheep. It's not to save from the lake of fire. That's the work of Jesus Christ through God's plan of salvation. So what, what is it what is for? Uh, it's to take his believing sheep and they're baptized into the body of Christ. And as we go on this evening, we'll see the importance of being part of the body of Christ. That is very important in baptism. That's, that's the way that the Lord has uh, established that we're joined to the body of Christ. Uh, and again, you can read the scriptures that it, baptism uh, saves. But I don't want us to, to think that baptism saves us from the lake of fire. Again, that's the plan, God's plan of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what saves us from the lake of fire. Baptism does save. But what from? And again, we'll go on that this evening, uh, uh, Lord willing. Uh, So we left off this morning in John chapter 13, and I'd like to go back to that again. Uh, and again, we will, hopefully we can see the connection with baptism and washing away of sins. Well, let me just go ahead and mention this, because I mentioned it this morning. So we can't and don't want to deny the scripture that says baptism saves Baptism washes away sins. We don't want to deny that, of course. We want to understand it. But we don't want to confuse that, again, with the work of what Jesus Christ did. So what does baptism save us from? Not the lake of fire. Surely we, baptism cannot save us from the lake of fire. That's the work of Jesus Christ through God's plan of salvation. So what does it save us from? Some say, well, it saves us from our, it washes away our past sins, and then it's up to us to live above sin the rest of the time. Well, that, uh, I'm certainly thankful that that's not the way. So we, we, what we're kind of left with, looking at baptism, so the, and this washing, we talked about this washing this morning as well. This washing was a, 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 a separation uh, from something, and it even had the word, it comes from three different words, but it even had a connection with communication. Well, how does, how does this baptism or this washing have to do with communication? Well, we'll see that plainly tonight. Hopefully, I'll make that connection. Uh, so, what we said this morning, what we left you with was to consider this. We know baptism washes away sin. That's what it says. 
We also know the blood of Christ washes away sin. So it's not exactly the same thing. It can't be. So we, we tried to look at this morning as baptism washing or separating, which washing in this case is separating from future sin. And we, we used an example of a vaccine. A uh, smallpox vaccine, if you have smallpox, it doesn't cure you from that. But if you have it, if you have the smallpox vaccine, then it's supposed to protect you from the future of the smallpox, separate you from the smallpox. Uh, I guess it's a virus. Anyway, disease. I'll call it disease. Maybe it might be a little safer. I'm not sure. So let's go to John chapter 13. Gospel John chapter 13. And uh, we talked about this this morning. I'd like to start here again this evening. And uh, this is a, I say, where the Lord acted out a parable as he washed their feet. Uh, we are not to literally wash one of those feet with water, but it's a teaching. And what it is, it's a teaching about what was going to come to pass. It's a teaching about he was going to send the comforter. And the comforter wasn't given yet, but he was going to send the comforter. And this is, this is a teaching about the comforter that he was going to send back. That's what John 13 is in this first portion of it. I call it the parable of the foot washing, and because we can see this. So let's go to uh, well, verse 4 again. He rises from supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. You know the Lord Jesus Christ. He resurrected. He laid aside his earthly garments, and he went to be with the Father. So this, of course, and this just goes along with this, what he's saying here. And after that, he pours water into a basin. So, again, he literally did this. He literally did this. He literally went through the motion of washing the feet. So this just tells the, the, uh, the pattern that he followed to do this. So he rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. So the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected. He laid aside his earthly garments. And it says, after that, he poureth water into a basin. And it's important to understand, he poureth water. He didn't take a, a basin and dip it down into some water and get it that way. It says he poured it in it from above. And that's a picture. When he went to glory, uh, he said, I would send it from the Father. So he poured water into this basin, and the basin was his true church. And he began to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he took this from which he had poured water into this basin, and he began to wash their feet, wash their walk, that they wouldn't walk uh, in ways contrary to the Lord's way. So uh, verse 6, not surprising, as we learn a little about Simon Peter. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, thou knowest not now. Now, if he was literally washing their feet to get the dirt off of them, they would have known that. I mean, they could, they could see, they could understand that. 
But what the Lord says, you really don't know what I'm doing now, Peter. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And I wanted to just ask a question. When's the hereafter? When's Peter going to know when this takes place? On the day of Pentecost, when he pours that, the Holy Spirit from above into the basin, into the church, that, and, well, and that's where we have the understanding. That's when Peter will know. That's when they will know. That's when they will understand. I could just, on the day of Pentecost, I can just see Peter hitting himself on the head. Oh, now I see. Now I understand. They didn't then, but you will after, he said. Uh, and, and, eight, and Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Uh, doesn't say they'll be in the lake of fire, but he won't have a part with them, I believe, certainly as the bride. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash me all over then. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not except to wash his feet, but is entirely clean, and you are clean, but not all of all of you. So he's talking about cleansing his walk, cleansing our spiritual walk. That's what he's talking about. Not cleansing from the Adamic sin, not forgiveness of sin. That's not what this was typifying. So then we skip down to verse 19. And he says, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So there's something going to come in the future. He says, I'm telling you about it now, but something coming in the future, and when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. So whatever this is, this it is that's going to come to pass, it's going to cause them to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then he goes on, verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. He that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Who is he going to send? What's he going to send? The comforter, the spirit of truth. That's what he's going to send. That's, and, and well, we may, we may look at that as well. But he says, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And certainly, those that fall under the leadership of this spirit of truth, this Holy Spirit, are going to receive Jesus Christ. That's where the understanding comes from. Uh, so, who's he going to send? What's he going to send? Well, now let's go to a very familiar uh, John and 14. Well, actually, we're looking at 14, 15, and 16. But John chapter 14. So he tells them, and, and I like this period of time here. This is when the Lord Jesus Christ set a, a, was aside and time, an intimate time with his disciples, not with all the things that was going on with the world, people coming and, and, and people uh, spying on him, trying to accuse him of things. This is just a, a quiet time with him and his disciples, and he's telling them about these things. So in, in, in the 14th chapter, this is who he's going to send. This is who he's going to send. They will know later. They will know what happened. This is who he's going to send, and the ones that receive it will receive him. So John 14 and, well, we'll read 16. 
And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So, this comfort, this spirit of truth, and let me just say it this way. He will be in them as the body of Christ and with them as members of that body. So whenever we're not assembled and you go to your homes and everything, you can still be led by the spirit of truth. He's with you. He's in us as a body and with you as members of that body. So then in verse uh, uh, 26, he said, But the Comforter who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And Sandy, this was what the Lord used to convince me to be part of the body. I, uh, well, I didn't want to get my hair wet, didn't want to be baptized in front of people. And... Uh, but then I kept saying, well, I need to know more. I need to know more. I need to know more first. And then when I saw this, uh, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Well, that's what I wanted. And then when I saw the comforters in the church, and that was what the Lord used to cause me to make this decision. Uh, he shall teach you all things. This comfort, this spirit of truth. What if we're not connected to it? We're not going to be taught these things, buddy. We're not going to understand these things. Have to be connected to this. And bring all things to your members, whatever I said in you. Again, I think he's talking about bringing things to your members. I think on the day of Pentecost, when they received that gift of the Holy Spirit there, I think Peter said, oh, now I know, I understand that foot washing thing now. He brought these things to their remembrance. Uh, so then in the 15th chapter, he talks about this again. Uh, in verse 26, but when, the comforters come, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. This is what he was teaching him in the parable of the foot washing. This comforter that he's going to send through the Father says he will testify of me. The comforter will testify of Jesus Christ. Now, we hear a lot of people talking about Jesus Christ. All the I don't want to get too sarcastic, but but anyway, they, they picture him not as our Savior, as a cheerleader. He wants everybody to be saved, but he's done all he can do, even a failure. That's not through the Holy Spirit. That's not teaching about Jesus Christ. My, my Lord is not a failure at anything. As a shepherd, as a high priest, as a sacrifice, he doesn't fail at anything. Uh, and then over in the 16th chapter, we see it again. And verse 7, talking about the same thing. Again, this is, shortly after this, was, he was going to be taken and going through all the mock trials and everything. 
But in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So again, this is what he was teaching in the parable of the foot washing. This comforter, this spirit of truth. I hope you see the value in it. So we go on down to verse 13. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So I was going to bring this this morning and I forgot, so I'll bring it this evening. I have the lead strap here for the dogs. I won't ask for any volunteers tonight, but anyway. So we lead and guide our dogs. And uh, I tell you, sometimes with the Lord, they lead and guide her. But we lead and guide our dogs where we want them to go. Uh, I remember uh, Wanda, her dogs was down in the ditch one time. That was rattlesnakes or copperheads. I think it was rattlesnakes, maybe. And, uh, of course, she didn't know it. But if I knew it, I would guide the dogs away from the rattlesnakes. I would guide them. I would lead them. And that's what he says about this comforter. When when this spirit of truth, who is the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, is come, he will guide you into all truth. So this comforter will guide into the truth. What if we're not led by this? Not be led into the truth. We'll be into falsehood. We will get our, our feet in the mire and the dirt. But through the leadership of the comforter, we're led away from that. Led into the truth. And not into the, the, we not believe in, in the falsehood. So he says, nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit leads us, and he glorifies the Lord. So, but if we hear somebody on tell, uh, you expect to hear on the religious channel some of these things. I was listening uh, my days are mixed up a little bit. I think it was yesterday. Uh, one of these uh, uh, Kentucky fishing shows. It was a fly, a fly fishing show. And they was uh, going to be with the uh, uh, Kentucky, uh, all the game wardens and things like that. It was the big, it was 125th year celebration for the, uh, the game wardens and things. So this I can't remember the name of the show, so they kind of joined with him. And so the guy that was the fly fisherman and everything like that, he was interviewing all the officers and everything. And they got talking, they was in West Virginia, so I guess it wasn't Kentucky, but anyway, in West Virginia, and they was talking about, uh, never got to meet John Dever, but that song, he said, is so fitting, West Virginia, almost heaven. And I love going down the back roads of West Virginia and the mountain roads and things like that. I really love that. But he said, almost heaven. He said, boy, if this is almost heaven, he says, 
I want to get myself right to where I can go to heaven. Was he led by the Holy Spirit in that? Who is he glorifying? Self. I, what I must do. So, probably a good man, probably a man that would uh, be able probably like to loaf around with some, learn some tips on fly fishing. But, uh, but not led by the Spirit because the Spirit said, he will glorify me. And what he said, no way glorified the Lord. In no way it glorified man. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. So this is what was typified in the foot washing there. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, lead God direct into all truth. And I say that a lot, but if you're not led by that, and so far as washing away future sin, if I can tie that back in there. So this individual that talked about, well, if this is almost heaven, I really, I really want to be to heaven, so I want to get myself right with God. And again, this wasn't even a religious show. Was he led by the Spirit? No, he was out there in the mire. It's what I do. His, his feet need washed. It's what I do. And I want to read this before we go on. Psalms 73. Psalm 73 and verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. So he guides through his counsel. He, I'll go back to that word washing that has its separation through communication. So he guides us through the comforter, separates us from the filthy mire of, of sin, of uplifting ourselves instead of the Lord. He separates us from that. And, and said he guides us with his counsel and afterward receives us. Betty, that doesn't leave any on glory for us. If he, if he takes us and he guides us and he takes us and then he receives us in the glory, that, there's no room for any honor and glory for us. All the honor and glory goes to him. And that's what the Comforter does. It glorifies him and not man. Does that leave room for any free will? My dogs may think they have free will, but I'm leading them, and I control them. The, 
would you want free will? Or would you rather Him guide you through the leadership of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the lead, guide, and directs into all truth? What would you prefer? Would you want your own free will? Or would you want Him to lead, guide, and direct you? Certainly, uh, that's what we would want and not the being a free moral agent. So, uh, if we study this event of the foot washing, uh, we see it's talking about the, the spirit of truth, the comforter, that he poured into the church, and that took place on the day of Pentecost. And let's look at that just for a minute. In, in Acts uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, uh, talks about that very thing. And, and we see this taking place. He told them about in John 14, 15, 16, and even typified it in the 13th chapter of John. But we see such a beautiful picture of it here in the first portion of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, uh, let's just go to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he that ye have heard from me. What promise were they to wait on? He said, I've told you about it. Well, that's what we read in John 14, 15, 16. The promise of the Father, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you wait, you wait for that. Uh, and in verse 5, for John truly baptizes water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and certainly that is vital and crucial and, and, and uh, uh, we're grateful for that. We will tie the two together, the baptisms, the water baptism and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in verse 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. They were not going to be witnesses until they were led by this Holy Spirit. Well, it wouldn't be witnesses to him, I'll put it that way. Maybe witnesses, but not to him. Have to be under the leadership of this Holy Spirit, this comforter. So then, we go into chapter 2, and again, the 13th chapter of John, the parable of foot washing, all just portrays this very clearly. So then, Acts chapter 2, and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is what he was teaching them, that the would come, the one that I would send, he'll guide you into all truth. Now we see it taking place. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, just like he commanded them. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. You remember the pouring he got up, he, he resurrected, he laid aside his earthly garments, and then he poured water into a basin. So this is what it was. He went to the Father, and this is the pouring of the Holy Spirit into the basin, which is his true churches. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each of these. Now this wasn't gibberish that nobody understood. In fact, it was the opposite of that. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. Again, this wasn't gibberish that nobody understood. This was just the opposite of that. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? And now here we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. So this was, this was miraculous. We said this is where, for, this, for these people, this is reversed what happened at Babel when he confused the languages. Now the languages were unconfused, if we can use that word. So they all heard in their own tongue, in their own language. And so this is what the Lord was, was talking about when he, the parable of the foot washing and in John 14, 15, 16, the comfort of the Spirit of truth. This is when it was actually given. It was poured into the first church and, of course, passed down through authority from one church to another. Now, I... Uh, so, so there's baptism with the Holy Spirit. But... What's the importance of water baptism? What's, what's the connection with water baptism? Because we read about water baptism, it, it washes away sins. But we said it was more like a vaccine that would wash, separate by communication from future sins. Because these people that was, well, which was worshiping under Judaism, looking to their works in the law of Moses, was in the mire, not looking at Jesus Christ. But then this Holy Spirit was going to lead, guide, and direct them. So that's baptism with the Holy Spirit. But what, what about the water baptism? Well, the water baptism, and I may get ahead of myself a little bit. Galatians says, as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the method that God uses to place his sheep in his body. Well, what's so special about his body? That's where the comforter is, that leads God and directs into all truth. So now, in, in Acts chapter 19, uh, there's a, a lot of controversy about this. Some people were rebaptized. I know people that were rebaptized because they said, well, I didn't know exactly everything uh, back then when I was baptized. The baptism, well, I won't go into that right now. Let, let, let's go to this. Acts chapter 19, this is where some were, we'll use the terminology, rebaptized. What, why? What, what took place here? So, verse 1, Acts 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper borders, came to Ephesus and, finds, and, and uh, finding certain disciples. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? 
And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. We don't know anything about this. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So they had John's baptism, which the other disciples did as well. So was there something wrong with John's baptism? Then said Paul, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, uh, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. So I've heard some discussion on this. People said, well, what it was, they trusted in John's baptism for their salvation, and, and John's baptism is not for salvation, so that's why they were rebaptized. Well, this doesn't say that. It doesn't say that they trust in John's baptism for salvation. What's, really, what's this all about? What's the subject? Well, what's the question that Paul asked him? He says, have you uh, received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So they believed in Jesus Christ. These weren't people that believed in the Mosaic Law now. They had heard and everything, and they had John's baptism, and they believed in Jesus Christ. But the question and the subject here and the question is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's what this is all about. didn't say, do you believe John's baptism for, for salvation? That's, you know, people throw that in there. But the subject is, have you received... Or have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And I like their answer. I think it makes it pretty clear. We have not so much as heard where there is any Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. Well, we read about the event that took place on Pentecost. When that comforter was poured, that comforter, that spirit of truth was poured into the church, into that basin. And they began to speak and hear in their own tongue. And this is Norris Brown. This was, this was a big thing. Had they been there, they would have known something about the Holy Spirit, wouldn't they? This wasn't something quiet. It says, have you... Uh, have you received the Holy Spirit since you was baptized, or since you believed? says... Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? We don't, we don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Chuck, had they been there on the day of Pentecost, they would have known something about the Holy Spirit. So this is proof that they weren't there. They weren't there on the day of Pentecost when that sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind filled that house, which is typified by Jesus pouring water into a basin and washing their feet. They, they were not there. So that's proof of that. So what, what do we do then? What do they do? They had John's baptism. Was it bad? The other disciples had John's baptism. And there was nothing wrong with it, with John's baptism. But what, what's the problem here? The comforts poured into that church on the day of Pentecost. 
We know we read about the comforter. We know what it does. We know how important it is. But they weren't there. How they get connected to it now. How they fall under the leadership of that comforter now. They, they can't go back in time. They can't go back and say, okay, now we're here on the day of Pentecost. They can't go back in time. What's the only way to now to have connection to that day of Pentecost? Have to be part of the body of Christ where it was poured. Or one of the churches after that where it was poured. Well, they can't go back in time. So how do we then, how do we fall under leadership of that comforter? Well, we have to be in the, in the house that was filled. How do, we, how do we get in that house that was filled? Do we walk through the door? And again, this building is not the church. How do we have, how is that connection established? It was poured into that basin. And we could talk a lot about the church being the body of Christ, which it is. And again, I think I already mentioned it. And, and Galatians says, as many has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So Cindy, he causes his believing sheep to be baptized into one of the true churches, which is led by the comforter that was given on the day of Pentecost. And they're led by this Holy Spirit where they hear and where we see, and where we're led down, and where we're led and guided into the truth. And we're separated and washed and cleansed from this filthy doctrine of the world that wants to glorify man. So that's the connection. So I hope we can see both these baptisms. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. But the connection to that baptism with the Holy Spirit is the water baptism that baptizes into the body of Christ where we sit under the leadership of that comforter, that Holy Spirit. Uh, so now, this water baptism connects us with this Holy Spirit that leads, guides, and directs into all truth. It won't lead us into glorifying man. It just won't do it. It leads us away from that. So we're, we're washed from the filthy doctrines of the religious world. The water baptism does that by its connecting us to the body of Christ, where the comforter is that leads, guides, and directs into all truth. And I think this is probably something I fall short in, in, in many things, and, and through the years probably fallen short and not showing the importance of this. Uh, and I see I ran out of time again. Uh, we can read about uh, we're baptized unto his death. And as he was resurrected, said, so we're resurrected to a new walk. Well, what's the new walk? Well, we're baptized, typifying uh, certainly the, the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord. He said, we're resurrected to walk in the newness of life. So we have a new walk. What's that new walk? Under the leadership of the comforter, the Holy Spirit, no longer glorifying man. Well, it's up to you. It's up to what you do, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. So baptism uh, is not forgiveness of sins. Baptism doesn't pay for our sins. Baptism doesn't save us from the lake of fire. 
Baptism doesn't make a sheep or a goat a sheep. Uh, but baptism does have its place. And I hope we can see the place. The baptism takes the Lord's believing sheep, places them in his body, where he placed the comforter, where they are led and guided into all truth. So in that manner, uh, other things to bring out, but again, we've ran out of time again. So we will close with this. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word.